1: Welcome back to part two of this fascinating discussion we're having here with Dr. John Apsley, where we, well, we've gone through the brief history of the suppressed cancer cures. And now in part two, John, uh-huh. we are going to get to down to the nitty gritty essence of things, uh, understanding cancer, understanding life, life force and all these things. All right. But I, I want us to, Before we do that, look a little more into the politics of things, because this is what, especially, you know, the masses, (laughs) John Bull has a problem understanding. Most people believe that these cancer organizations and authorities and everything else are there for our own best interest, although more and more people discover uh, and understand there's something rotten in the state of medicine, but I, I want to start asking you your opinion basically of why this um, hopeless, terrible attitude uh, is reigning. I mean, is it, are we talking about, is it just bias and ideology? Is it corruption? Is it conspiracy? Is it all of the above? <laughs> what do you think? Yes, to everything. It-
2: Yes, I, I think it is all the above. I think that um, there is both a conscious conspiracy and an unconscious conspiracy, and they collude together. And um, for example, you have all these people today that are in school, they've been inspired by somebody they met who's an oncologist, and they're going to the best and finest schools or be spending 12 years in uh, school and then training by the best. And their heart is dedicated toward curing people of their cancer. And then they get out and they have to pay back their student loans. Hmm. They have, they're raising kids. Um, they might have an ex-wife. They have all these pressures that hit them. And they risk losing everything if they step out of mainstream. And they just can't take the risks to even pause for a moment and think to look at what it is that they're doing. For example, I'll give you a an understanding of, of how real what I'm saying is actually rolls itself out and exposes itself. So just about um, a month ago, I was at one of America's premier integrative oncology meetings. And I was meeting some really dedicated um, oncologists and clinicians who had spent a lifetime uh, trying to stay under the radar and trying not to have their licenses revoked Because they were using things like Latrol and ozone therapy and special diet therapies and herbs. And uh, it was really a nice meeting. And we were were about 300 of us. Mm -hmm. And I happened to be staying with one of the founders of this organization, of this association. And he and I are good friends. We go back to 1982. And he was actually uh, staying at a hotel, a resort about five minutes away. And he invited me to to stay with me at a very large suite. And so we were able to hang together, and it just so happened that at that hotel, there was a conventional annual oncology meeting taking place.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So we were seeing the extreme other side of what the conventional <laughs> yeah. oncologists were up to, and, and there, was a, there was an elevator, and every time we hopped in the elevator to go up and down from the room, there would be, it would be filled with other oncologists. And so uh, we would always try to talk to them, try to engage them just to say, hi, how you doing, what you doing? And and on the the last day that we were there, we noticed there was a gentleman in there. He looked like he was uh, an oncologist. And we said, hey, uh, so uh, what you here for? And he said, oh, I'm here for the uh, annual oncology meeting. And, and we go, oh, really? Yeah, yeah. And, and we said, well, what, what did you learn? And he says, I learned that I'm not going to make any money next year. Okay. That's what he said. Whereas (laughs) the convention that we were going to, they were all saying, Well, I learned about pH today Mm -hmm. and about how to manipulate it properly. And I learned about um, using oxygen therapy along with conventional chemotherapy and how you can lessen the, the toxic side effects of traditional chemotherapy. And it's being done at the University of Kansas. And we're all excited about using juices with our patients and getting them to become spiritually calm and and relaxed while they're doing all this. I mean, that was the difference between going to a standard uh, oncology meeting and one that was integrative. Mm. They don't have the same paradigm. They don't have the same value system. They they look at money as being the God Almighty dollar Mm. rather than, uh, well, listen – if I'm not getting my cancer patients well, why should I continue to do my career? Mm. They use another justification system to continue doing the same thing, watching the vast majority of their patients die. It's a miserable. Yeah, but this is a part of the modern corruption
1: you find in all fields in politics, in academia, you have the same. Yeah. A control mechanism in place there it's it's the complete decay and commercialization of uh, these branches of human knowledge and
2: activity yeah there you know there's nothing there's absolutely nothing wrong with making money if you make more coin of a higher realm if you give it back yeah if you are getting the results and because you're getting the results you have to make money in order to make the facility for more and more patients and then, of course,
1: but in politics, the goal shouldn't be your personal profit. It should be to help organize society to help people. In academia, it should be understanding and knowledge, not getting most profit. And in your area, it should be the healing. Yeah. And I guess that's the biggest difference. It's not about earning money or, you know, nobody can live uh, like a, you know, yogi, but, It's about what are you into this for, and and your illustration here of these two conventions just exposes it.
2: Well, I'll I'll give you an example what you're saying. You're right. So there's a chiropractor who's uh, in his late 70s, and about 50 years ago, he was given the technique through ozone therapy to cure cancer patients, and he fled the country. He goes down to Central America, sets up a clinic there, and for 40 years— he gets a 65% success rate with all stages of terminal cancer. Wow, 65%. 65%. And then he comes back after seeing thousands of patients and he's retired, but he, he's now in a big state where he's out uh, remote and people find out about him and, he, and people come to him and he goes, okay, I'll tell you what. I have a certain number of stations for ozone therapy I'm not going to charge you one dime. But at the end of 90 days, if your cancer is gone, then you pay me $3,000. Fair enough. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. And he's so booked. He's you know, he just full as full, you know, as busy as he wants to be. And he's you know, in his late 70s. That is the coolest way to go about. Now, Hippocrates talked about this. He said, the healing arts are the most noble of all the ways of earning a living. He actually said that. Mm. But we've corrupted it to where it's not about healing at all. Hmm. So and then suddenly when these same physicians, these same oncologists come down with cancer, now the story's different. <laughs> and they some of them, a small percentage, come over to our side and they start exploring some of the very Yeah, because their own ass is on the line. Well, they've learned the, the they've learned the hard way that uh their chemo and the radiation isn't going to help them but but here in Norway I don't know about America probably the
1: same or maybe even worse but here in Norway the tragedy of the doctors is that they have uh, they're so busy basically what they're doing they're taking the, the main education and then the patients are like, uh, an assembly line, right? And, uh, yeah. they don't have time. They, 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 note down and, okay, I, I ascribe you this pill. I ascribe you this chemical. And behind it all is the pharmacy. And I knew, uh, uh an old guy, old friend of mine. he been working for pharmacies all his, his life and he was retired and. Uh-huh. <clears throat> God bless him. He had a heart on the right place. and He told me the worst stories. And the pharmacy companies, they basically bribe the doctors and they brainwash the doctors and they don't get any other input. And so uh, what they are you sh- actually just pushers
0: yes, yeah, for is. the pharmacy.
1: And another interesting thing is that here in Norway, the group of people who vaccinate the least vaccination of their children are doctors physicians yes they are the ones who 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 do not over vaccinate their own children (laughs) but they can't talk about it then they get crushed you know
0: yes Mm. yeah
2: this is true and uh it, it does require some spiritual maturity to come out of all that and a lot of people don't ever get to that growth they they are too narcissistic the more narcissistic someone is, the more ignorant they become. Um, you know, wisdom is different than being a brilliant scientist. Mm. You can have brilliance and you can be a criminal. Yeah. You can be brilliant and you can do things, um, you know, for power and for fame and for money. Or you can be brilliant and you can develop wisdom. Wisdom is the ability of someone to behold multiple points of view of truth at the same time Mm. not just one Mm. and we've been training through reductionism to only dig down and find one truth at a time Mm. so the whole thing is contrary to developing wisdom i think you
1: also need to say that it's that but it's also to make it all coherent to see the lines between all these uh, segments of uh, reality
2: well, okay, you, you bring up an excellent point. Reality has to be based upon the experience of reality, not the objectification of reality. Like if we use instruments to try to dissect the truth out of cancer, we're never going to see the whole thing. Mm. If we experience cancer and then we experience detoxification and then we experience biooxidative therapies with ozone and then we experience the diet and then we experience training the mind to dump all the emotional – Uh, toxic events that we've had, Mm -hmm. that develops wisdom. Mm -hmm. Then we can reproduce that with our patients. We know how to. So so we have to be subjective then. No, we have to be empirical. Mm. Empiricism is to be able to gather wisdom at the sensation level. Like if you're going through a fever and you've induced it through um, healthy means, through juices and taking the right minerals and the right herbs, and you know that that's when your white blood cells work the best is at 103 and a half degree fever. You know that. Mm. That's different than reacting to it and going, oh my God, I have to take aspirin and Tylenol to bring my fever down.
0: Mm.
2: One is based upon a solid line of thinking intelligently that's wrong, i.e. reduce the fever. Mm. Another is saying, no, it's natural to have a fever. Just make sure you do it by supporting the body as you do it. So, we are responsible for creating the diseases that we get. We work as in civil civilization now is a disease mm.
0: if
2: you if you saw the movie Avatar yeah. you could see that you could see that this incredible space age uh, savvy civilization rushes to a planet to get a an ore and they try to destroy a perfectly in harmony. Uh, civilization culture it's not a civilization it's a culture that's there Mm. and they can't understand why that they don't want to accept their medicines and their books and their educational system because they're so much better off not Mm. so these long-lived cultures they don't have doctors they don't have hospitals they earn a thousand dollars u.s equivalent per year they're as happy as they can be they have everything that they need They don't get disease and they die at the ripe old age of 110 with a smile on their face. Are there still such cultures around? I thought they're still doing it. Yeah, they're still doing it. So, um, civilization, including the people that go to these doctors all the time, we are working very hard every single day to grow our cancer. Hmm. So, suddenly we want a physician to take care of that for us. After 40 years of smoking two packs of cigarettes a day, we go to the doctor. Doctor, doctor, please save me from myself because (laughs) I know that I've been a real jerk about eating and and working and thinking and all these things that are toxic, but I don't want to die. I don't want to, but the doctor, does the doctor say to them, well, listen, if you clean up your act, I would be happy to help you. No, the doctor doesn't because the doctor's doing the same darn things. Mm. How many doctors smoke? How many doctors eat junk food? Mm. So unless they have that peace and that bliss and that moment of miraculous healing, whether it's to go off and visit Findhorn, for example, where I met a lot of professionals. Oh, you've been to Findhorn, huh? Oh, yeah. you right across the pond here. Oh, yeah. They
1: they have really managed to cultivate uh, life
2: uh, in barren areas.
0: <laughs>
2: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when they have their tour, uh, their special uh, business tours where people come together as a group who are physicians and phds researchers and business people and they all get together 50 at a time and they come in with with ghastly pastely faces with having never smiled the past 10 years and suddenly by the end of three weeks after s- sacred dancing and eating the food and talking to people that look like they're 65 and really they're 95 is the ones that i met uh, they go. Wow! I'm back again. I'm I'm back to life again.
1: Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. But I think many of these retreat places and these uh, sustainable communities, like uh, Oroville and Damanhara and all these places, I think a key uh, ingredient, uh, the, a common denominator, if you like, is uh, what you call the fourth pillar. You know, the 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 attitude, the emotional state. Yeah. And we'll get to that. We'll get to that. But let's begin another place, uh, John, because we can talk ourselves anywhere for hours here. Sure. I want to begin with the beginning before we go any further. And that's understanding cancer. And I I want to present the reasoning to you first. Okay. Because I'm taking the layman's position here. I represent the listener, right? You know, what we are exposed to is there's different causes to the same effect, you could say. And then sometimes it seems to be that the same causes can lead to different type of cancers or manifestations and you have this uh, these different kinds of explanations you know some say that cancer comes from toxins, others from food, radiation, virus uh, from depression, low immune system, and even sugar and I remember a friend of mine a very good intention she recommended a friend of hers who got cancer to to start eating raw food so this person started to eat fruits and stuff and the cancer just accelerated because of the sugars right it's was obvious to her that sugar was the food for the cancer yeah so we don't even have an understanding one thing is what causes cancer but people don't uh, even understand what is cancer so, and I know you have perspectives
2: here, so could you could you comment upon this? Sure. So, if we use the longest lived people around the planet to say how it is that we should all be living, they live in cultures, mm-hmm. they live in enclaves that are in protected environments, they're remote. Then when we look at the causes of cancer, we can actually begin to find them. If we try to do it the other way around, which is not to have them the longest lived people as a reference point, then we're lost in a whole bunch of downstream factors, not seeing the cause, but seeing the rippling effect of, oh, it's this carcinogen. Oh, it's this toxic thought. Oh, it's, Hmm. you know, the fact that I live in a smoggy place. It's it's all these lists of hundreds of causes. And there's been different ways of looking at it to uh, kind of develop a model system to get clear about what cancer is but i'm going to tell you what cancer really is i'll go off in a limb okay (laughs) okay (laughs) okay so cancer is the body's doomed attempt to regenerate and to survive Hmm. and it's doomed because the environment within the body doesn't have any of the proper resources for the cell and the tissue to carry on normally and yes, so you have all these factors that lead up to the three or four or five most important causes. You have the pH gets disturbed. You have the oxygen amount of saturation gets disturbed. You have the water that becomes disturbed. Mm. You have toxic EMFs that are enter- the signals, the improper signals, perhaps a emotional shock that is a signal mm. that's in the way and you don't have an immune system that's working. Hmm. Those are the causes of cancer because if you do get the immune system working again, you have to restore all of those things and then you can kick out the carcinogens. Your tissues can repair at rapid rates perfectly. You have the ability to make a recovery because the immune system is the spearhead to regeneration, and regeneration is the cure to all disease, as the long-living people have proved. Mm. So, regeneration is, by medical definition, unscheduled healing, healing that would not otherwise take place, or super-accelerated healing, which is the same thing.
0: Mm.
2: Miraculous healing is regenerative healing that happens within a minute. Regenerative medicine is now regenerating and healing events over a period of 90 days. Terminal conditions. The reason why I'm interested in terminal conditions isn't because I am solely interested in terminal conditions. I'm rather using it to find our way back. Mm. And once we do cure the so-called incurables – uh, what we what we arrive at is that oh we didn't cure anything we just regenerate we just allowed the body to regenerate itself and the body cured itself. Yeah, but I mean, that, so what? That's
1: that's the great great discovery. That's the that's, that's right. the key. That's what we want. It doesn't
2: matter who gets the credit. <laughs> Yes. Yes. And then the person can't go back to smoking two packs of cigarettes a day. They can't go back to eating GMO Mm. foods. They can't go back to eating a great diet from mineral deficient soil. Mm. They can't go back to taking showers in toxic water. They have to completely uh, make their home exactly like the circumstances that exist in the long living cultures and it can be done. Yeah but if it's going to be done in our modern
1: urban uh, civilization it's just for the people with most resources because what you listed there is is beyond many people's control.
2: Well the, Clean, the, the yeah the seventh yeah the seventh day adventists do it in downtown LA
1: <laughs> and and uh, what's it called the people who live in the countryside um, this Christian sect in America the very famous Oh, you know, they go in black suits and hats. Oh, the uh, Amish.
2: Amish, the Amish. Amish. Yeah. Do they have a much cancer or what? They have uh, extraordinarily high rates of certain diseases. Some of them have uh, no teeth after the age of 40, <laughs> for example. Jeez, wow. But, um, no, I'm talking about the true long-living people. I don't think the Amish or the um, some of the old Dutch uh, groups – so um, basically, to take it forward and just give everyone the answers, what we do is we emulate the long living within our own homes. And remember, that if they can do it for under $1,000 per year, and that includes all of their living expenses, uh, we can certainly do it within the confines of our own home anywhere in civilization. We just have to make sure that uh, our air is clean yeah. and there are some simple – Filters that we can get if we have to for downtown Los Angeles, for example, like the Seventh Day Adventists, we can get special water, like Fiji water, as one example. Mm. It's available almost everywhere. If we don't have a special filter that we can afford, we can just go and buy good bottled water like that. Mm. We can do special kinds of exercises where we either do the yoga with the deep breathing, the pranayama, like you talked about. We can be trained to do that. There are classes everywhere we want to, but we're we're adding it to the detoxification of use of water with our breathing techniques. And we're doing it every day. Say it's uh, 75 minutes out of each day. That's all we're doing is 75 minutes changing our lifestyle. Mm. Then, Then we're doing the embryonic raw foods. And we can check the diets of the long living. And we can make sure that not only are we eating those foods that are embryonic in nature, but we can make sure that, like sprouts, right? Yes, that are that are uh, done properly with heavy minerals. But, but not any raw food. No, it's it's the, the embryonic mm. raw foods, mm. embryonic okay. eggs, bee pollen, mm. algae, seaweed, uh, nuts and seeds, uh, coarse sprouts. But also your glandular meats, like freeze dried heart that can be sterilized while it's turned into uh, capsules, for example. And those animals come from. Places that are pristine, Hmm. Argentina, certain places in Australia, certain places in in Switzerland. There are locations that are pristine. And then meditation principles that are uh, the guideposts of any wholesome religion. For example, I do a meditation practice on, on mindfulness where for 10 days in silence, I just observe my normal sensations as they occur within the confines of my body. Hmm. Other people will use outside uh, techniques of of, uh, saying a word over and over to themselves or a sound. Other people look at things in silence, just a time of quietness, or you just go to those places where the long living live. And you watch,
1: or as you can do in America, sensory deprivation tanks. <laughs> that's an
2: instant yes. solution. Yeah, like uh, like the original movie by uh, with uh, William Hurt, I think. Yeah,
0: mm. um,
2: yeah. You, the, these are ways in which that we calm our minds and stop all of the agitations that we get every single day. And then, by- well, excuse me, what about psychedelics? What about the kind
1: of drugs that's mind bending?
2: Well, there is an herb from Africa, Ibugain, mm. that is a hallucinogen, but what it causes is a review of someone's past, li- literal past, not a fictitious past, mm-hmm. that dr- uh, allows you to draw conclusions as to why that you're on a suicidal mission of taking heroin to great levels each day. And then half those people stop doing the heroin. Yeah, I've heard the same about ayahuasca, that people are cured. They're basically, faz-
1: because when we die, uh, DMT production is exploding, and this yeah. seems to be triggering DMT. So pe- people who take ayahuasca often report that they overcome issues and stuff. I guess this all goes to the
2: fourth pillar, the emotional cleansing. Right. But on the other hand, a lot of other hallucinogens will only place you on one page Of the spiritual book Mm. of the path. It won't allow you to gain the discipline to go through all the pages of the spiritual path. Mm. Mm. So I like to, um, you know, use the temple as a holy thing, a sacred thing, treat it right, do only wholesome things to myself and to other people. Moral conduct is based upon only doing good things to myself and to other people, not doing any unwholesome thing to myself or to other people. And then to the greatest extent possible, try to serve the greater good in that same way. Help people to stop doing intoxicants that are increasing their ignorance and increasing the physical harm on their body. Like, for example, uh, THC. THC is a wonderful tool in uh, people with terminal stages of cancer if used with certain nutrients. But it doesn't heal. It just eases, right? Well, actually, if it's used with certain nutrients, it actually activates the immune system. Ah. but if it's used improperly and or not with the supports you're right it can become a a a very difficult painkiller because they don't do the rest of their program they're too intoxicated Mm -hmm. and so they can't follow through on their program but in it it, this takes skill but first um, But, but hang on hang on just
1: smoking cannabis would that give that effect uh, well, And I, by the way, I, I heard that CBD
2: is actually more used in, in medicinal than THC. So you have these receptors on every cell of the body, and they are THC-based. They're cannabinoid states. The, the yeah. CBD uh, has about half as many receptors as THC does. Hmm. So if you use the oil rather than the smoke, yeah. and you activate it with certain other nutrients... Then it activates the immune system, and you can use less and keep the patient's appetite up and not get them too overwhelmed with uh, the narcotic effect of opiates if they're on op- opiates, which suppresses the immune system, hmm. you can reduce those opiates and switch them on to THC until they're well and then slowly get them off of the thc hmm. um, that's that's for the really hardcore opiate addicts though because the most of the stage four cancer patients get addicted to the opiates and they're horrible because they shut down the immune system.
0: Mm.
2: There are bad sides to THC. But again, I'm saying under the right circumstances and the right synergists, uh, THC works pretty well. Uh, CBD is great for other things. It's great for mm, mm. epilepsy. It's great for certain kind of neurological diseases, but not so good for cancer. I see. I see.
1: Yeah. But but this is a d- distraction. I mean we there's so much to talk about. So let's get back on track here. Okay. So
2: yeah, so understanding what cancer is. Yeah, so you have uh, a disturbance in the ab- ability of signals to take place through the cells and the tissues and that's water-based. And by detoxification and by rehydrating with special waters, you can clear all that up. You might have to really drink a lot of water. You, you, when you eat, you take a lot more fiber uh, so that your bowels are cleaning you. Uh, you do certain skin cleansings, like just take a terry cloth towel and wipe down the skin each day. Um, I prefer ozone therapy through the skin. Hmm. It's a way in which that it reoxygenates the body safely and uh, makes the person feel really good. And the immune system turns back on. Um, it takes the place of the immune system when the immune system has been burnt out. It gives you time to rebuild it,
0: mm.
2: and it, it just allows uh, a, a very natural healing to take place. And then um, uh, there's a green drink. Um, there, uh, the, uh, the Gerson Diet Therapy calls for juices out of all kinds of vegetables, but unfortunately, um, Gerson always used a hydraulic press to get the best juice out of the juices. And unless you do that, which is real time-consuming – all of the raw embryonic food factors do not show up in the juice. They stay in the pulp, and it's, and it's a waste. So the pulp is where the nutrition is then? Yeah, you have to squeeze it with high pressure in order to release the uh, regenerative nourishment that's in there because they're surrounded by cellulose, and we do not digest cellulose. Mm. So a uh, blue-green algae, spirulina, uh, grown in pristine, mineral-rich bodies of water, that is 100% digestible. There's no... Cool. I take that every day. That's there great. There you go. There you go. So that's, um, and, and I take chlorella too. Yeah, cracked wall chlorella that's grown in uh, really pristine locations it's perfect.
0: Hmm.
2: Um, and that takes care of the water aspects. If you have cancer, then doing certain kinds of baking soda therapy, I, I'll give you a, a really amazing story. So after Tullio Semichini had taught me everything that he could and i was carrying personally on. Yeah. He, he taught you personally Wow. yeah yeah and and also my i was uh, running a research foundation i brought all of my research staff of uh, ph- uh, physicians medical advisors they came to his two seminars here in the states mm. and we maintained contact with him and um, we found out there was a lot of downside to what he was doing because you have to with the way he was doing it you have to have a hospital around you So because they had taken that option away from us, I was figuring out how to do it by mouth, how to do it by drinking the the baking soda. And and it it took me years to figure out how to do it equivalent. But the point is, is that there is now an easy way to alkalinize the body and it's not through juices. Juices can't do it. They're good for regenerating the body from from nourishment, Mm. but they don't remove the acid. It has to be done through baking soda. So um, uh, after studying, uh, let, let's pause here uh, because this is a very important
1: principle. I think uh, oh, yeah. just so people understand here that we're talking about polarizing us away from acid right. and over to base, to to earth, to alkaline, from from air basically to to earth, and and that's because the the philosophy or the understanding here is that we are more most healthy when our body. Is polarized in,
2: in alkaline. That's that's how it is, right? That is correct. So if you if you're an omnivore and you want to stay alkaline, you can eat anything you want to that's naturally raised, including meats if it's raw, because raw meat is alkaline.
1: But have you have you heard about that? I don't know the English word for it, but to try to translate it, the acid base diet. Yeah, well, the understanding is that you should eat food that polarizes your body to, to base alkaline and avoids uh, polarizing your body to uh, acidic state. Right. Well, that's what
2: we've been talking about. However, once you are acidic, you're not going to get rid of that acidity by, having, by eating an alkaline diet. Mm. It's not possible. Because I know that it's not always as easy as a food that
1: is acidic. Will not necessarily make you acidic, and
2: food that is alkaline. Oh, oh yes, it will. It will. Oh, what yes. What about, uh, let's say, lemon? Isn't that acidic? Yeah, but it's mostly alkaline. Once the citric acid is burned off in a few seconds in the stomach, it has minerals in it which are highly alkaline.
1: Exactly. So that's my point. So there you have an an acidic uh,
2: food that actually makes you alkaline. But it's not technically an a- acidic food overall. Just because it has citric acid in it, when it has tons of alkali okay. that outweigh the acidity, doesn't right, make it right. an acid food. But yeah, what, I makes, see, I see. what what always makes an acid food is a cooked food, usually a cooked protein. Right. That's always an acid-forming food. It, it forms acids in the body when it when ingested is a cooked protein. So, so so cooked means any
1: kind of heat treatment, right?
2: Yeah, over let's say over
1: grilling, a, steaking. Yeah. yeah, 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 cooked. Yeah, frying. Yeah. Uh-huh. Whereas raw is alkaline food. Mm. And and so so that is not important. What kind of food you can you can be a
2: vegetarian, you could be a carnivora uh, and omnivores. Yeah, right. Raw is the clue. Yes. If you ate, if you study the diets of all thirty cultures, they're very different. But the core, the core are these embryonic foods that are raw or they're fermented and they're the core of the entire reason why their diet is regenerative it's not the other stuff the other stuff is helpful it it Mm. merges with the embryonic food factors just like corel could only find that extract from chicken embryo Mm. and that's how the long living they discovered it one way or another they discovered that there was an embryonic food they had access to that they made it a staple of their diet Mm. yeah so
1: um yeah so they have this common denominator yes what, what about marrow i've heard that has uh, nutrition and healing and that the, 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 it can't
2: get rawer than that can it well the bone marrow is is one of the superfoods of the long living mm. and uh so i, I want to make it, it, it's basically vampirism isn't it <laughs> <laughs> well we do live off of all other life forms on the planet yeah. uh, Nature is a mass murderer. Hmm. Nature, nature is all about murder. Yeah. <laughs> and a mass life giver. <laughs> yeah. Let's not forget that. <laughs> and we human beings can be philosophically corrupt by becoming vegans, which is not, there has never been a, a long-lived healthy culture that was vegan. Hmm. They always used animal products, at least uh, milk and, and, uh, or eggs or both, but if you eat... And cheese, yeah. Mm. Yeah, and cheese. And if you eat things raw, they, it will be alkaline. There's very, 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 very few raw foods that are acid-forming. Very few. They're all but alkaline. Sushi, sushi is actually a form of raw food. There you go. Mm. That's right. It is raw. And beef tartar, uh, sushi is alkaline.
1: And the Japanese, we all know that they've been plagued with uh, radiation. Uh, For so long. Yeah. Do um, they have more cancer
2: than than the rest of the
1: world statistically?
2: Well, just like Chernobyl, after 25 years, they're going to be in bad, they're they're going to have uh, the northern half of their country just inundated with. just disastrous illnesses. I mean, even yeah, because you've you've been writing about the Fukushima
1: oh, thing, and I was, and after that, I always read on the food where the fish comes from, uh, if I eat fish, and I was thinking, yes, this is from the. I would try to avoid fish from around the sea uh, over at in Japan. And I tried to pick fish, which is taking in, in, in the North Sea or the North Atlantic, right? Right. And then I saw, was it on your page somewhere? I saw that. They <laughs> tracked the pollution from Fukushima all the way to Iceland and then to our waters. So there you go. Everything is connected. You're not safe.
2: You no, know I'm not sure about Iceland, but all through the Northern Pacific, let's say, okay. um, that's contaminated. Now, the South Pacifics okay still? Um uh, I think that Iceland areas, Greenland areas fine. Uh Norway so,
1: what about the Atlantic? Yeah, Norway.
2: Yeah. Yeah, Norway has a Steffield. Um uh, it's a uh nuclear factory in England that has a current. Uh, they're still leaking um uh, radioactive material and they've leaked in the past and it's still traveling itself on up to Norway. Oh is
1: that the one in Scotland?
2: No, no. Well, yeah, well, I don't know if it's in Scotland. It's in uh, Steffield. It's um uh, Yeah. Oh gosh, it's up pretty far north. It could be in Scotland. Yeah, because
1: we've been. I'm from the west of Norway, Bergen, and we've been for many, many years enraged on the Brits because they, what you say, we we don't have nuclear power. Because of the health, we want to avoid the risks. And then, of course, the neighbors have it, and all the shit is coming over to us.
2: Yeah, that's right. But you guys have a better health uh, profile than we Americans do for the sa- for that reason. Hmm, I guess. Radiation. No,
1: no, and also it's forbidden with GMOs here, you know. Even if you buy mainstream food, which is not eco, it's usually, especially if it's produced here in Norway, it's actually not... Is is it less different between our eco and our non eco than it would be in America?
2: Yeah, well, you guys are lucky in that sense of you know we we're we'd like to get rid of the GMOs, but mm. <laughs> it's really hard. Um, it's it's not just luck because this is a political decision, you know.
0: Yeah,
2: so. it's the the people here they reinforce their behavior by the diet that they eat and yeah. with the way that they think they govern our politics, they vote. For the yeah, it's a vicious circle. We have the best politicians that money can buy in this country, <laughs> <laughs> it's true. We do, but you do have some good politicians, too. Uh,
1: what was it? Leonard Cohen said something about America is still the cradle of the best and the worst. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but back to uh, since we're in the in this segment of uh, nutrition tips, um. Oh, yeah. You were talking about baking soda, too. Let's get to that. Why is that uh, essential here?
2: Well, um, when Baird did his experiments with cancer and and pancreatic enzymes, what he failed to know was that in order for the pancreas to secrete enzymes, it has to secrete large volumes of baking soda. Hmm. But you can't eat baking soda. Sure, you can. It's something we make in large quantities in our own body.
1: Yeah, but I mean, uh, is it uh, the point? Is is it just to take baking
2: soda in your mouth? That's it. Yeah. So if you knew the, uh, and I won't, I won't cover exactly how much to take because that would be dangerous for people not under doctor supervision. But right. if you knew exactly how much baking soda to take, it works wonderfully with biooxidative therapies or even with radiation therapy. It's amazing. So, so, so basically, you can eat cakes and get healed. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I think that that's uh, almost fair enough, but uh, <laughs> it's something that we have to make each day. It's, it's, uh, the, P- the, the regulation of the pH in the body governs most chemical reactions. The oxygen level does, the heat temperature does, making sure your thyroid works, for example, which governs heat, and mm-hmm. making sure you're hydrated. Uh, properly with good water full of minerals. Uh, those are the yeah. Sorry, they say you have to drink uh, the Norwegian
1: health authorities say you have to drink. Uh, I forgot how much it is, but uh, a lot of water every day.
0: Yeah, that's
2: uh, you back that. Yeah, and if it's if it's water that's been structured water with uh, zeta potential minerals in there, which come down from the mountains, especially during the springtime, or from certain springs that have been known to be healing springs that's the kind of like lords yeah like like lords but also many many places in norway there are sacred springs there you can find them on your on your map oh we have to talk after the show yeah yeah Mm. that's the kind of uh, that's what these people drink every day and bathe in it Mm. and it it nourishes their garden and that's that's important these things are simple but they have to practice each day Mm. Now, we have a seminar that uh, we'll be traveling around the world, but we do a two-day, a five-day, nine-day, 17-day, and a 21-day series. And we, ha- we treat everybody twice a day, uh, doctors and patients, with all of these four pillars. So we make it real practical so that when they go home, they can set it up in their own home in a cost-effective way. Mm. And we think that when we get like 10,000 people together over the next five years or so that do this – then they'll reach in and transform their patient base. They'll teach them how to do it with their kids. Their kids will teach their kids, and we can turn we can mm. turn this thing around. Critical balance, yeah, yeah. That's critical mass. I mean, yep, yeah. critical mass. Mm. Yep. Mm.
1: But uh, John, why is it so much more cancer now than before?
2: Well, we have a weaker population. Um, if you look at the 1930s, with all the giants in the medical field that saw this transition happening from the God Almighty dollar, as opposed to raising vegetables and fruits and cattle and uh, other sources of food the way it was supposed to be. They warned that by the year 2000, that you would have two generations of humans who were already extremely weak, and that was based upon animal experiments, the the Pottinger's cat experiments. Mm. And it was repeated with mice. It was repeated with pigeons. It was repeated with horses. They knew that when cooked foods predominated the uh, the diet of a culture, that by the third or fourth generation it would be sterile. Wow. It would have deformed babies. It would have uh, it would be more open and prone to diseases. And nobody paid attention. So they made predictions and they listed out exactly the kinds of diseases that we would see going off the chart, like diabetes, like obesity, like uh, uh, infectious diseases, like Lyme disease, all these things, including cancer, and nobody listened to them. And they, they were very clear. They wrote them all down. These are the diseases that are coming your way. For example, in 1932, the top medical schools in this country of the United States said to their medical students... You are now going to be doing a a dissection of a person who died of a heart attack. Do it really well, because in your entire career coming in the future, you will likely never see a heart attack victim again. Really? Wow. That's 1932. It was so rare. (laughs) Now, uh, the, the doctors during the 30s understood this, and they said, nope. We're going to see a dramatic escalation in cancer, heart disease, diabetes, arthritis, all the diseases that, that were extremely rare because they saw the animals do it when they were fed an exclusively cooked and processed diet. They all got this. Right. And that's all that America wanted to do because it was so convenient to make money. Otherwise, But we've always uh, – not always, but heating food is not a new invention. Yeah, but we always brought it back to life, or we ate enough raw foods along with it.
0: Mm.
2: For example, pickling. Okay, so uh, you know there were there were lots and lots of foods that were grown in in soils that were mineral rich that we ate raw. Yeah, and I heard that the soil
1: is now so destitute yeah. that uh, what uh, that uh, when our grandparents ate something they didn't have to eat as much or or as different because it was so nutritious compared to now when most food is even artificially grown and and yeah, there's no nutrition in it. That's true, isn't it?
2: Yeah, so I gave the example earlier that enzymes come like fifth down the line Mm -hmm. and an enzyme at normal body temperature without its mineral will work a billion times slower. I didn't say that before. With the mineral that it's supposed to have, it works a billion times faster at body temperature. So that's what we're up against. When we eat a mineral deficient diet, even a little bit, our enzymes work a billion times slower or various degrees of that. Mm. And that doesn't allow us at normal body temperature to thrive very well. Hmm. So the long-lived cultures always have all of their enzymes working at 100% or thereabouts, and that was what causes their repair. They can repair their mistakes like that of a healthy 25-year-old American, if there is such a thing today, <laughs> where they do that at the age of 90 because of the minerals. Hmm. So that's the secret. And when you eat that way and you practice it and you do some exercises and uh, you do it just right every day for 75 minutes – You've got it. You've got a regenerative lifestyle, but people need to do it with a group of people. We can't just be uh, hearing this on the radio. We have to go and live it with a group of people and, and see, oh, anybody can do this.
1: Yeah, but if you don't all that and you master all that and you have a working practice, then you can do it alone, right? Then you can be a hermit even and, and-
2: A few people can. I've met a few people that can. Most need to actually go and practice it with a group of other people. Mm. But what what makes baking soda stand out? Well, um, our our organ systems have atrophied since the '30s. The organs actually get smaller and smaller, except in some cases when they try to expand because they're being so stressed. Like for example, if you're eating a lot of sugar, the pancreas will get larger, not because it's doing anything better by being bigger. It's because it's so stressed out. All right. Um, So one of the things that the pancreas is supposed to do and the stomach is supposed to secrete a lot of baking soda. But because of this stress that the organs have today, for uh, all the reasons that I've listed above, they don't make enough baking soda, so we become deficient in it. Same thing with oxygen, same thing with water. So a big pancreas, that's like the canary in the mine. Yeah, it it uh, has to get bigger because as a defense mechanism to trying to make more and more insulin, but eventually it just exhausts itself. So, so that's a bad sign if you have a big pancreas, you're onto a wrong path. Yeah, and it's, I knew about it years ago when the pancreas of rats that ate all cooked food would get two to three times bigger than rats that ate raw food. Now, remember, in nature, animals never eat anything cooked. Mm. They always eat it raw, and humans used to do the same thing. And when we learned in these long-lived cultures to prepare it by doing some cooking, we always had a counterbalance to either fermenting it or eating it with raw foods and special preserve uh, preservation uh, ways. Hmm. And those cultures, as a result, lived to the age of a tree in perfect health. They know how to do it. Yeah. yeah, we have traditional
1: preservance methods here in Norway for food, especially the fish. That has nothing to do with heating it. But there, there's also something to be said for how you heat stuff and how much and how fast. I mean, if you take it to the maximum degree in your oven, you know, in one minute, you basically kill the food. Yeah. But there, there's an alchemical principle about taking a gradual, slow uh warming. Uh, and, and and keeping it below a certain temperature.
2: Uh, do you know anything about this, or does it make sense? Well, what I I, I think you're close. Um, if you go to the long living cultures, all thirty of them, go. We we have data. Mm-hmm. You can observe that it's spelled out how they prepare, how cooked, how that what the proportions of what they eat raw versus semi cooked versus fully cooked versus fermented. Mm. All that information is there. Just remember that the minerals in the water where they grew are different than where we are. So we have to work our ways around it. And we can. There are ways. that. And in 1948, they figured out the trigger mechanism that had to be included in these four pillars for people that are living in civilization. And it has to do with electrical devices, biophotons, certain uh, wave-emitting medical devices that the Chinese knew about 5,000 years ago. They, they figured out through the acupuncture meridian system, through their techniques, what qi was all about. It's an energy field right. that organizes molecules, is basically what it does.
1: Hey, could you, could you tell about the, the water and the meridian that I've heard you talk about before? How they discovered sure. it. Yeah, That's interesting.
2: So back in the 90s, the, there was a gentleman, a scientist, I believe he was from Korea, and he wanted to prove that the meridians existed because they could find it anatomically, even, even to this day.
0: Mm.
2: So his theory was that it had to do with not an anatomical tissue that you could see like a blood vessel mm. or a nerve. He he believed that it was made out of strings of water that were organized and tightly Attached to themselves, like in a wire of water, Mm. but he couldn't prove it. So he he got permission from people who were about ready to die that upon pronouncement of their death, they gave permission that he would be allowed to inject radioactive tracer dyes into the beginning point of that meridian. And because they're in the charts, they've been there for since five thousand years ago. So he did, and his technique was meticulous. And he found out, sure enough under uh, fluoroscopy, he could see that the radioactive liquid that was injected at the fingernail bed would indeed travel exactly, as the textbook said, up a particular meridian. And he gathered that data. And then, because his experimental process was very meticulous and very time-consuming, other people who were lazy could not reproduce his results. They harassed him And he kills himself. Jeez. Yeah. So in the early 2000s, 2002, 2001, 2003, there was a group of American acupuncturists that saw what happened and decided to repeat the experiment. And sure enough, they did. And they proved beyond a shadow of a doubt that the kid was right. The researcher kid was right. Mm -hmm. And so um, that relates to the structure of water. So what meridian therapy does, oriental medicine does, It not only removes the blocks, the obstacles that are in that channel, structured water, but it energizes it with organizational fields that's called qi. In both cases, qi unblocks a meridian, but it also adds organizational energy on top of it, additional. Mm. And so that's how they... Uh, go about, you know, that medical system is like, you know, probably number one in the world if you add the herbs to it. So, uh, what, 1.6 billion Chinese. So,
0: Mm.
2: uh, they do a real good job there with uh, putting the natural organizational healing forces of the body back in order. And it just so happens that that's what Gilbert Ling discovered about Gerson's diet therapy, that it it put the organized water back into the cells. So, by adding that principle of of therapy using gerson's diet therapy but only rendering it more efficient and easier to do and adding in qi with bioenergetic devices like a tens unit Mm. and and uh, with the newer devices coming out of hong kong then it makes this whole thing so much easier it can it's it's a walk in the park now
1: Hmm. i just want to say for for the record um that uh, qi uh, if some people are skeptical here, they should know that it's not just the ancient Chinese. Every culture, every religion has a word for this. Uh, obviously, the Japanese call it ki. And, uh, in India, it's called, uh, prana, and the ancient Greeks called it pnoma, and, uh, I, I have a list of words for, for different, uh, cultures and places. So this is something we've known, and, and Willem Reich called it organ. So it's, it's basically the life force. And I think, I think biophotons that you mentioned is science starting to discover like the
2: physical manifestations of this. What do you think? Al, I, you are so right on. I, you know, a lot of these questions that you've done to lead this conversation are so insightful because uh, <laughs> they really lead into the causation of what real medicine is all about as opposed to treating just effects. Mm. This life force in, in the ancient Pali, it was called Javata. Mm. There was also Kundalini that was the that was inspired, literally inspired by prana and pranayama exercises. These miraculous healing forces can also be imprinted into water so that when it's put onto biological tissues, an, an enormous healing response occurs. It can be measured today.
1: But, but don't, you think, don't you think that water already has life force, has, uh, if you were like, chi in it?
2: Well, it can have death force in
1: it as well. Right. So it's basically a vessel. It's a vessel. Hmm. But if, if the immune system, I just read uh, scientific research that fasting, of course everybody knows that's healthy, but it triggers the immune system because the body is tricked to think that okay <clears throat> there's no food around put yourself back in uh, some kind of a stone age primordial state here and so the body says okay we 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 we're, we're not getting any nutrition so now immune system now you have to start doing your stuff here so could fasting be a way to to also help uh, this healing or do you have to to you know, take all these healthy things that you talked about?
2: Well, um, I hope that, Al, you will be able to take away from this one thing. Mm-hmm. And that is that the longevity that we can aspire to is never and never has been and never will be about one thing. Mm, right. It's always been about the four pillars. And today with technology, we have incredible triggers to those four pillars but it has to be four pillars we can do the, we can be surrounded by the most incredible water on earth and it will do very little to get us to live to the age of a tree it will it will help us to be healthier we can have an abundance of oxygen an absolute total saturation of oxygen and all by itself it will not get us to live to the age of a tree it will have some benefits though we can eat the best diet of regenerative foods in the world But if we don't have the first two pillars, detoxification regularly and lots of oxygen, it will only get us so far. Mm -hmm. And if we have a really lousy, piss-poor attitude, it's not going to get us very far at all. It has to be the simultaneous practice in a practical way, in a cost-affordable way, the four pillars. Let's recap these four pillars. Let's start with number one. Okay, number one. They can go to my website and see it. It's daily. Detoxification, mostly with water so so uh, water for detoxing is, yeah. is the best this is for maintenance, not for someone who's sick, but water, 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 good water, healthy water, very wet water, water that has surface tension really low because it's what about well water is that good it depends on if it 's uh, full of minerals and no pollutants, and if it 's wet, some water tap water is like surface dines of seventy two it's mm. it's not very good water it doesn't penetrate very well the the mineral water comes down from the mountains and special healing waters from springs can have surface tension down to 50 which means mm. it's really wet it goes in the body penetrates everything removes the poisons and then you piss it out what do i water from the ice glaciers that's pretty darn good
1: stuff that's yeah. pretty darn good yeah stuff. we have that mm-hmm. so so that's so daily detox and uh, water is the optimal there, but I guess any kind of, or most kind of, actual detox will help you.
2: Yes, uh, you have your saunas there. Um, you know, you can sweat. You have uh, your zeolite and clays that can remove poisons from the body. You have your fiber. All diet, All long living people have three bowel movements a day, full bowel movements, but they drink about a gallon of water a day or liquids altogether. Are you saying if you're really healthy, you have to go take uh trapping three times a day? Yeah the 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 studies that were done of the of the original cultures, the primary cultures, showed that they had three bowel movements a day. Hmm. Huh. Okay, I'm not there yet. Sounds sounds like a lot of hassle though. But okay, a lot of water, a lot of fiber. Right. Yeah, fiber, uh, water. So number two. Number two. Uh, exercise uh, in a particular way so if you do f- 20 minutes worth of exercise let let, let 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 me let me give it to you more simply mm-hmm. if you're lucky enough to have an oxygen machine and then you have a stationary exercise bicycle or rebounder or treadmill and you breathe in 25 liters of min, uh, 25 liters a minute of oxygen while you're vigorously exercised for 25 minutes wow okay i mean wow after what
1: about exercising with an o- oxygen mask
2: <laughs> yeah but uh you have to break into a sweat and it's hard to do if you uh don't have the right equipment You can get a gazelle in in the states for a hundred bucks used what? you can get a rebounder What's a gazelle a, it's a walker oh okay. it's a like a treadmill it's like not quite a treadmill but oh, it's, right. yeah it's a used one but heck you know it works great you can get a little tiny trampoline called a rebounder for a You can get a stationary bicycle by buying a little piece that makes it stationary for a hundred bucks. What about actual bicycling? Yeah, but then it's hard to take around oxygen with you. Right, right. But
1: what if you live in, uh, because all these things are modern tools, right? But what if you live like me? I live in a countryside where there's no pollution. So if I breathe
2: the air here, wouldn't that be enough or? No, if you do pranayama, you're fine. Okay, okay. Okay, breath of fire, Prenayam. Yeah, you're fine.
1: But people in big cities, obviously, they, they have, have challenges. And, and for them, these tools will be, will be a good thing yes. to, to compensate. Yeah, yeah. So exercising, so it means getting your heart to pump. I mean, you have condition exercise and you have pumping, muscle building exercise. But is it any kind of
2: exercise or is some exercises better than others? Let me, let me put it to you this way. Of all the pillars, the one that matters most is the fourth pillar, mind, okay? Okay, but let's not skip number three here. Hang on, hang on. The one that matters most is the mind. However, of all the physical aspects of our body, exercise matters most. Oh, okay. 70% of our health is going to be determined by the kind of exercises that we do or don't do. So, if you really streamline high intensity exercise into 25 minutes a day, that's equivalent to working out three, four, or five hours a day. Mm. If you do it right. So, I'm trying to get it so that everybody in civilization, which has everything working against you, can set this up in their home in the most efficient way and in three weeks have a new body. Mm. I mean that you feel great, mm. okay? And it's, it's simple. We're just basing upon our practices what these long-living people do. And guess what? They've got only two arms and two legs just like you do. That's all they've got. But they do it with no money. So mm. we can do this. We just have to set it up exactly right. So you can do these other exercises and do three or four hours of, worth of exercise a day. I, I don't want to stop you from doing it. But if you just do the right kind of exercise for 25 minutes a day, well, here's what happens. Um, uh, there's, a, there's a biophysicist in, uh, who was from Germany, and he discovered that when patients have chemotherapy, that the sodium ion, the waste sodium, mm-hmm. clogs all of the capillary beds in that, in that patient, which virtually guarantees that they'll get their cancer back because if the capillary beds are clogged, The oxygen can't get through,
0: Hmm.
2: and there's no choice. The cells want to survive. They have to start making more cancer again. They get acidic, and boom, you've got your cancer again. So he did experiments to try to find out, well, what the heck would flush that waste sodium, that waste salt that's blocking the capillary beds? And he found out there's only one thing that he could find that did it. You have to blow it out, and the only way to blow it out is to do high-intensity exercise for about 25 minutes a day with oxygen.
0: Hmm.
2: And then here's what happens. At the 18th treatment, he did the exercises on, on the chemo patients every other day, not every day. He found that on the 18th treatment, all of that waste sodium has been completely pushed and eradicated and eliminated from the capillaries and it would never come back. Hmm. unless they did chemotherapy again. So my contention is is that aging process, when you get pathological aging, accelerated aging, or you start getting diseases, causes the same thing to happen. I don't have proof, Hmm. but I'm pretty darn sure that there are things like the sodium, the waste sodium, that gets into these tiny, tiny capillary beds, the one uh, doorway right before the oxygen can get to the cells, the last doorway and blocks it and that by doing the exercise, the way that the long living cultures all do, they all work out for 14 hours a day on the mountainsides, Mm. whether they're in the kitchen, running back and forth, taking care of the chickens and everything else for the, for the, for the woman, or whether it's the man out there taking care of the sheep, they're running, 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 nonstop, Mm. all day long. Yeah, traditional lifestyle, yeah, physical labor. They push all the crap out of the capillary beds, and they stay that way until the last two years of life. Mm. But hey, one thing is to
1: study those who do it right, but you can even learn from uh, those who do it wrong. And uh, there is this uh, disease. I don't know what it's called, but it's it's. Uh, I think it's inherent. But this disease, where you you know you die when you're a teenager and you look like an old man. People who have it, they age very fast. You know about it. Progeria. Uh, yeah. yeah. So what about studying that? Because that could give us clues, couldn't it? Because it's well, the
2: opposite of what we're seeking here. Yeah, but you have to have a reference point to study it. the The problem with medicine is is that they succumbed to using inferior standards to make their comparisons about when they were observing something like progeria or cancer. Mm. They weren't comparing it to the optimal state.
1: No. No, but people like you or, who are on board with, with your understanding, uh, I mean, they could use them as a control group, so to speak.
2: I mean, they, they say it's incurable. Well, I, the only thing I know, Al, is that progeria never happens in the longest-lived cultures. Interesting. Huh.
1: But obviously, it's not something they do wrong because uh, they get it as a baby. So it's something that's uh, manifested in the line.
2: All of the genetic disorders that we talk about are only responsible for about 4% of the diseases. It's what we feed to the genes that cause all of our problems. Hmm. It's the environment of the genes, it's the water, it's the pH. It's the oxygen level. It's the heat, the temperature. That's what causes the genes to either work or not to work. Mm, I see. But hey, uh, number two was exercise. What's number three in the four pillars? It's the regenerative embryonic foods in raw form. So it's the glandular meats. Either diet, basically. It's the uh, the 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 food grown in mineral-rich soils that have water, the special water that's super wet, delivering those high energy minerals. And I had a tomato one time at Finhorn that almost knocked me off my feet. It was so powerful (laughs) and it hit my taste buds. I could not believe it. And then I ate another tomato that had been uh, taken from an organic farm about an hour's drive from Finhorn. I couldn't taste it. It tasted like water. And it had just been picked. Uh, What was the difference?
1: Well, the one was tomato. The other one was a tomato. <laughs>
2: <laughs> the well, the amount of chi, right. the amount of life force in that tomato from Finhorn knocked me out, and that's what regenerated that ninety-five-year-old couple to look like they were sixty-five. Right. Five. Years. But that's that's the
1: explanation. But what's the reason for one having more chi than the other? What
2: brings it to that state? Well, I mean that's. That's the whole secret to the regeneration effect. Right. That's the whole premise of we have to get back to hoarding more and more of that chi energy within the confines of our body. And we can do it. We're like a battery. Mm. We can either spend the energy of our body and bring on negative energy, or we can store up more and more of the wholesome organizational energy. And uh, it just depends on our lifestyle. Mm. But
1: these four pillars, they're so intuitive. They're so... I, I think even people who hasn't studied this or don't know anything about this could say, could get to the conclusion that, yeah, detox, exercise. I mean, the correct or the optimal detox, exercise, nutrition, and consciousness.
2: Not nutrition, regenerative, embryonic foods. Yeah, yeah, but... Real important. Isn't that a nutritional thing? No, it's like... uh um talking about a very special species of cat versus all of the cats on the planet right it's regenerative nourishment only because it's embryonic foods that we're talking about eggs bee pollen algae sprouts because it bases you right because it's what
1: because it makes because it's alkaline right it makes you no
2: because the chi is the highest in it okay right the life force is much more abundant and you can measure it with Curling in photography, you can measure it with certain sound therapies. Uh, secrets of the soil and secrets of the plants actually document this with certain instruments. But basically, it just has more energy, more ATP. Mm. That's a common term that scientists recognize. It has uh, more of a, br- of a bricks, more of a, a brick rather. It's the the sugar, vitamins, mineral content is higher. Mm. Measure But let's go to the fourth one: to the mind, to the consciousness. Okay.
1: I, I don't think the optimal thing is to be happy all the time because I, I, don't, I don't think that's natural even. So what's, what's the clue here? I'm guessing it is to avoid certain emotions like envy, bitterness, uh, you know, poisonous emotions. But
2: what's your take on that? Well, we can't avoid it. So it's a matter of how you process it. Right. So right. if you um, look at uh, Heidinger's work, if you look at uh, Family Constellation work, he based it upon the, the, the pristine cultures, the primary cultures that work out extremely difficult social travesties that happen when one family member murders another family member. What they do is this is the Zulu. Hmm. The Zulu in their pristine environment will be called together by the chief. And the two families involved with a heinous act will be surrounded by the entire village, sometimes thousands of people. Jeez. And, and they'll be called out on their stuff. And the chief knows the entire family tree of both families because he's been around forever. Mm. And he'll draw the links between the two families that set up the drama of one of them murdering another. Mm. And then there's a catharsis. Everybody cries. And then everybody embraces one another. And they all go home. Okay.
1: Yeah, I've heard about the conflict
2: resolution. Yeah, African style. Yeah, that's family constellation work. And so, Mm. the water inside the body has actually been purified when that happens because there's a catharsis. So, in any of the cancer therapies undergoing a catharsis, either through hypnotherapy, very special kind of hypnotherapy, or through fasting or through detoxification procedures um, or through prayer and meditation and fasting together, um, any of those will bring up a, an emotional release that is simply coming up to pass away, not to be reacted to. And so doctors that simply hold the patient's hand while they're going through that mm. and ask them to breathe while they're standing right there holding their hand can get them through it. That's one way. Um, Hippocrates had set up the Asclepions, which were the ancient hospitals where they were highly trained hypnotherapists, they started hypnotherapy, encoimesis and endoscopies. Mm-hmm. They set those insights of deep under hypnotic spells with fasting and using water. They had special water systems, both through thermotherapy with hot baths, as well as drinking the water, as well as meditating with the water, and then fasting for long time periods while they watched their dreams. Mm-hmm. That's traditional. So, That's what all the religious, like in in Christianity and in Judaism, there was lots and lots of fasting, but nobody does it
0: anymore. Mm, mm.
2: While they they prayed to attune to the ultimate supreme being, to, to attune to the sensations or the vibrations or the resonance of the supreme being while you're fasting is an incredible ability that we all have because we begin to separate from our physical body. The thing that is like if you're blasting your stereo system in your car, you can't hear the celestial music of, of a flock of birds upon dawn mm. singing for the first time an incredible sound because you're too busy with your, with your car radio blasting. But if you turn it off and you're in dead silence, i.e. fasting from overpolluting with the sound, you can hear the birds singing their majestic sounds and you can calm yourself down. Certain music therapy is known to do that. Mm. So we have fasting and prayer has always been used in all of the religions, but nobody does it anymore because we separate from that which is causing us to great distraction, which is our physical body. If our physical body is in a cancerous state and it's miserable and it's in deep pain mm. and we fast and fast, and fast, we suddenly start to lose contact with our physical body because we're running out of food to maintain life. Mm. And then when we maintain a spiritual connection to the supreme being and attuned properly with uh, the spiritual techniques of prayer, then suddenly all that crap that's in the physical body starts rapidly having a catharsis and it leaves. And that's what Hammer discovered. Hammer discovered to do it with a shortcut system. He desensitized by doing it a particular way, and it almost always worked. Mm. So, th- we live in a day and age where, yes, we have unprecedented disease and stresses, but we also have unprecedented solutions. Yeah. Yeah, the possibility to apply these solutions is, is better
1: than uh, ever before. So- well but uh, I guess if you live in, the, in a big city, uh, you know, listening to the wind and the birds are not that easy. But you can get them too as MP3 files. Yes. <laughs> and it will have the same effect. Yes. You can put that
2: in your car and blast the stereo with it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: there you
2: go. Yeah, that, that's why you have to get people to go to the seminars because uh, they do the two-day and they feel so much better. Yeah. And then they go back home and they don't practice and they feel horrible again. They come back to a five-day and then they feel so much better and they're able to hang on to a little bit more of it when they go home and they say, I got to get back. And then they come to a two week and then it locks in and they never let go. And then they, yeah,
0: yeah
2: that's how it's done. Yeah. No, but
1: there's something to be said for for this group uh, effect, uh, foolish closure. I've been organizing retreats in this country for some years. And oh. Right. It amazes me that, uh, well, a, a retreat that goes well, um, where well, there's good intentions and there's no such thing as right people, but I would say right intentions. And then there's a synergy effect, I'd say, where, yes. right? Yes. So even the negative people, because in the beginning I worried, oh, what if you get these vampires or whatever, right? <laughs> but yeah. even they are elevated because it's like the, the, the middle norm is lifted. And everybody's carried by it. That's right. But some people can't maintain it when they leave, uh, go back in the world, right? Ma- many can't uh, maintain it, but, but they, they can eventually, if they keep coming, if you keep. Yeah, I know, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, no, say it. People are listening. They don't necessarily know. Well, practice makes perfect. Exactly. <laughs> and, and then they re- maybe question hey, um, in the beginning, maybe they become like junkies, or I have to go back but the whole point with our retreats at least is to teach people how to to maintain to, to do these things themselves the culture so, because you can you can't be dependent on certain circumstances you can be under certain circumstances is that what you said no I, i'm saying it's not good to be dependent on certain circumstances to get these effects the best thing is always to you know do it yourself uh, be self sufficient is my point
2: But that's not how the long-living cultures did it. They never did it in as single individuals. They did it as a culture. No, no, no. But what I mean is people live today. They can't live
1: at a retreat. Most people can't. Those who can, they're so privileged. Yeah. But most people have to go back to their world. And that's where your point comes in that, hey,
2: we have these four pillars. Try to implement them in your lifestyle, Right. Well, okay, so I, I think we're at a point in our conversation where we're just talking about a certain degree of the actual practice. And so you're correct. But let me just take it the one le- next step, okay? Yeah. If someone's dying of cancer, I go to them, especially if they're 70 years old or older. I go to them and I say, what is your mission? What is your purpose for living? If you were to be cured from cancer, what are you going to do with the rest of your life? And mm. many of those people don't know. Mm. They have already programmed themselves to die, just like two salmon swimming up upstream and mating. <laughs> They're done. They've accomplished their mission. They've raised their kids. They have, they have no debt. They have a successful group of uh, siblings that are going to, you know, every, 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 they've accomplished everything they set out to accomplish. They're going to die. They're done. If even. Yeah, And but those people that say, No, no, I haven't finished my spiritual mission yet. And I say, well, what is that? And it's usually about serving others Hmm. and serving others in a selfless way, in a way in which that makes the other person's life more spiritually complete, which means that they have more harmony in their life. And they can't do that unless they're regenerated themselves. And those people make it.
1: So basically you're saying it's unhealthy to have an egotistically lifestyle, whereas if you care about other, other things or beings than yourself, then it's health-inducing.
2: Well, spiritual progress is to get rid of the narcissistic, self-ego-centric nature that we think we are. We're not. We're completely merged with all things. Yeah, but why aren't every psychopath
1: dying then by rotting from within? Uh, Because because I'm thinking if we're if the fourth pillar is to have uh, uh, to be to have positive emotions, is if that's a good thing? I'm thinking like a psychopath may feel good doing egotistically thing hurting others you know achieving things won't that translate then to better health for that
2: (laughs) person no no it doesn't so uh, remember that the theory which you're just talking about a theory has to go hand in hand with the practice and when Mm. you look at the long living cultures they don't have psychopaths in their midst interesting Interesting. That's a quite a bold statement. But
1: um, I'm guessing uh, th- th- this isn't something you're assuming. This is something you you, you discovered or yeah. people have noticed. Yeah,
2: they don't have crime. They, they have – if they have like these Zulu moments where somebody has done someone else wrong, they resolve it. And it's extremely rare. Not only do they not have sickness, they do not have social illness as well. They They don't have – it's very rare for divorces – It's Very, very rare for uh, murder. Very rare. It's very, very rare for uh, someone to take someone that does not take something that does not belong to them or or has not been freely given. These cultures are empathically attuned to themselves. So when they hurt somebody else, they feel the pain. Yeah. So they don't do it. Yeah.
1: I've read studies about uh, the pristine culture in Bali, which I think is more or less, gone but yeah there was even when there's a funeral there's a genuine celebration not because they're happy that the person is gone but they're happy for that person to reach that stage in that person's existence that is going into a according to their beliefs into a deeper and more you know, higher, higher state of being. So, so they're happy for that person. Yeah. So, anthropologists will say that this can all be explained by cultural conditioning, right? Yeah, uh, but because uh, if some people are depressed and cry, and other people, you know, are happy and celebrates the the passing of someone, both persons will obviously love the same person. <laughs> The same, but it's just that we condition
2: differently to how to deal with it. Well, we we have our uh, ways of behaving and we don't need to go into those, but we also have our ways of knowing that then generate future behavior. So let's go into that just for a second. Mm. If we recognize that the mind has four different components to it, we can then begin to realize that most of us don't practice the biggest part of our mind that generates the most wisdom, which is defined as being able to behold multiple points of view of truth all at the same time. That's wisdom. That's how I'm defining it, okay? Mm. As opposed to the line of reasoning, the intellectual reasoning that you just went into about people, okay? So, in intellectual reasoning – is narrow it can be very sharp and clear and correct but it's very narrow it's only about a given slice of the pie right whereas when we be develop empathic knowledge we begin to become the whole pie hmm. so empathy in medicine is a clear clear way to developing huge compassion not only for the your patients that are suffering but also for an even a stranger so that you recognize that when you think say or do harmful things to somebody else you actually feel the pain in your confines of your own body mm. the, the, the reason why that, that's why hating is poisoning that, yourself that's you're on you we are on the same wavelength a sociopath a a uh, a psychopath have no empathy because if they mm. did they would immediately get the biofeedback and they would feel pain what what a psychopath says is I just got all agitated and I was getting more and more agitated. And until I killed that person, that agitation didn't go away. But thank God, when I killed that person, all of my agitation left me. I didn't hear God's voice commanding me to do such horrible things. The the, the itchingness, the, the tremblers, the, the possessions that were inside my body, call it what you want. They went away. I was liberated mm-hmm. by killing that person. That can't happen. When somebody becomes empathic, when they start feeling the sensations within the confines of their own body, those psychopaths go through catharsis. They start writhering, Uh, they start going into convulsions until they have discharged from the memory of their water what it is that the harmful thoughts, words, and deeds that they've done in the past. And those are therapies that can be worked out if psychologists would only get on board with the science of empathic medicine. This is what Hippocrates talked about forever. Mm. There are meditation techniques that specifically develop the empathic ability, and you do it by feeling the sensations within the confines of your own body in a calm way, not in a reactive way. And then suddenly, you get to be so good at feeling the most subtle sensations within the confines of your own body that you start feeling it in those people around you. Mm. And then you start having a meaning of the mind. They start saying words that you were just about ready to say yourself or vice versa. You start having bonding occur with your family like you've never had before. This is the, what the long living cultures all do. They bond. They bond empathically. And our society has specifically denied that. We've cut ourselves off. Yeah. It, it creates psychopathy. Uh, right. uh, it's a psychopathic culture. Yeah. That's why in the, in the long-living cultures, if somebody is, go, is going through tremendous hardship and there's, there's no telephone there and there, no one sees them, no one hears them, they all know. They go running. Mm. They go running to help their family member because they know something is horribly wrong. Now, my wife does that. when She knew that when our son was tumbling over and over and over again in a car going 70 miles an hour on its side down the highway, she instantly felt it. Mm. And she goes, Something is wrong. And because she had a baby inside her for nine months, her DNA and that DNA, which are antennae, felt each other. Mm. And she felt that when her son eldest son was doing that down the down the pavement of the road, that oh my god, something 's wrong yeah we,
1: we don 't have time for it, but we could rationalize all this scientifically. I mean, if you have an open heart, we know that the heart has brain effects, and we know it has a very powerful electromagnetic energy yes. and obviously, if you 're connected to someone, if you have an open heart, i mean these cultures you 're talking about they they are conditioned to have open hearts. Uh, stimulated incentives to have open hearts, not just for the family, but for the whole group, right? That's right. But so, so I can see that everybody knows anecdotal evidence for this, that people have experienced this. Who doesn't know that when you're in love, I mean, in the beginning, in the honeymoon phase, how much synchronicity, how much telepathy, if you like, <laughs> isn't there occurring because people are in sync, right? Well said. So, so, yes, I can see this. Yeah. And, and we also know... Um, There is uh, studies that show, uh, but of course everybody understands this without the scientific evidence, but I just want to get everybody on board here, including those more anal people who need that, (laughs) that shows, studies that shows that healers, therapists, uh, physicians who have empathy with the patients have a higher rate of curing or helping than those who are not that empathic. Yeah. And I guess going, you know, someone who is motivated for money more than the idealism of actually helping would then be, of course... A poor physician <laughs> yeah I mean that you it's so it's so easy
2: yeah you said it so well
1: that's exactly yeah it. right uh, we have a few loose ends we have to go through so it will be a little jump back and forth but you uh, I'm amazed you haven't mentioned much about the thyroid gland isn't that essential here
2: yeah of, of all the uh, of all the glands the one that goes the first when we degenerate, over generations, is the thyroid. It's the master metabolism gland. It is the most essential hormone-producing gland. There is no other hormone more essential. And it's the most beat up today because of radiation in the food chain that goes through bioaccumulation, and uh, it just gets ruined. And so, like, for example, in the United States, uh, we had all these above-ground nuclear explosions out of Nevada and uh, Utah. And Hmm. that contaminated most of the population of the United States and it hit the thyroid first. And as a result, heart disease, cancer, all these things that depend upon a strong immune system that can only work with the proper temperature. Uh, An example, if the normal body temperature under the arm, under the arm is 98.0 Fahrenheit Plus or minus 0.2 degrees Fahrenheit. For every degree of drop, a thousand percent less efficient enzyme therapy takes place in the body. A thousand percent. It drops, Mm -hmm. it drops phenomenally, 10, uh, well, a hundredfold. So when you raise the temperature from 97 degrees up to 98 degrees, your enzymes are working a thousand times better. And the enzymes that work in the immune system keep away those diseases that lie behind the chronic illnesses. Almost all of them are involved with infectious disease. Uh, the Chinese are extremely advanced in that. They understand that cancer has to have a, uh, an infectious process that is driving it full tilt. And Rife recognized that back in the 30s. And Virginia Livingston Wheeler recognized that. And many of the uh, – uh, going all the way back to the time of, uh, of uh, Claude Bernard, who believed that it was the milieu that determined the germs, Pasteur, the contemporary of Claude Bernard, plagiarized uh, Antoine uh, – uh, what was his name? Beauchamp. Uh, Beauchamp was brilliant at understanding the pleomorphic states. Now, today, we have the Nobel Prize winner, Luc Montagnu from France – Mm -hmm. who was the co-discoverer of the HIV, although he was the only discoverer. Uh, Gallo stole half the prize from him. But regardless, he's now working to show that we actually can spontaneously grow within our bodies, pathogens within our white blood cells. So what I'm saying is, is that he has scientific proof that the signals coming at us from different venues in different ways sometimes memory, sometimes being broadcast, can actually set up the DNA signals that when it penetrates inside the cells of our body, works like a virus, to have that virus self-replicate itself inside our own cells. Hmm. And he's being harassed. He has solid... Oh, he's a contemporary. Oh, yeah. He's alive right now. And he has shown the new paradigm of medicine. And it's water-based. It's water-based. He has shown... That by PCR testing, that the DNA of organisms that the person does not have in their body exists in that patient. The DNA, and he proves it with PCR testing, yet those organisms are not present. And that DNA by itself can cause the takeover of our cells' uh, replication mechanism so that that organism becomes replicated Inside a white blood cell, for example, under the right circumstances. And Antoine Beauchamp in the late 1800s was a huge supporter that this is what happened. Well, he's, he's got such proof right now that it's terrifying for any of the old people that have, t- have attached themselves to the notion of the Pasteurian model. Mm. That it begins to rattle everything that they can possibly think of that they thought that they knew about what is the genesis to disease. But beyond that, the DNA particle will leave, the, let's say it's the germ, uh, let's say it's EBV, Epstein-Barr virus. Let's give an example. Mm-hmm. There is no viral, whole virus that can be detected after, after meticulous uh, studies in a, in, an, in a rat, let's say, or in a monkey or in a human being. But the DNA is, is detected by PCR. That's definitive. That's an absolute established science. It says you've got the DNA from EBV, the, the virus, Epstein Barr virus. Right. Now, that will then leave its imprint in the water. And that water will cause disease manifestations as if the actual DNA was there. Let me give you an example. He was almost thrown out of France for his first two publications that I believe came out in 2010. Now, remember, I'm going somewhere with this. So, yeah. if, if we can cleanse our water, we can cure cancer. That's what Gilbert Ling and Freeman Cope and Raymond Damodian discovered. But how to do that, especially when you can broadcast frequencies unknowingly that cause the same signals that a pathogen would put into your body from another source, thereby causing us to become ill. So here's what Montagnu discovered, and it was shocking.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: What he did was he took um, an HIV patient, harvested out their lymphocytes, and within the lymphocytes he proved that they had a microplasma infection. It's a small, tiny virus-like bacteria, and a lot of HIV AIDS patients have it, and it can kill you. So then he took the microplasm and he cultivated it and he made it a pure strain. And then he uh, – he, so he had absolute proof that the HIV patient had mycoplasma. And then he took the water from the lymphocyte only. He filtered it through a micropore filter so that no organism could pass through on the other side. He then turned it into a homeopathic remedy of dilution so that no particle – from the original uh, mother tincture could be uh, uh, would be would result in this in the severe dilutions hundreds of thousands of uh, dilutions mm. and then he put it into healthy lymph- lymphocytes human lymphocytes and guess what those healthy lymphocytes grew inside them uh, tumors no they grew they grew microplasma oh right Microplasma. The white blood cells, yes, the white blood cells from the signals only in that water at extreme dilution force the white blood cell, the human white blood cell, to grow microplasma, a pathogen. Okay. So that is what we have to undo. We have to cleanse the water and change the body's water out daily. And that's what these longest-lived yeah. creatures do with their prayer and their family constellation work and their energetic areas that have high zeta potential. They all cleanse oh. their water. Right, right. Huh. So water is, is really underestimated. Yeah, water is very much underestimated. It's where our mind is, and it's also the ability to grow different infectious organisms. There's one other theory I'll bring up. Under mm. certain environmental conditions, since our DNA is the replica of almost all life forms on the planet, in other words, certain segments of the human DNA and the human genome can uh, be almost exactly the same as another organism. And if that environment within our bodies is exactly right, it can trigger results of that gene to display itself, that of a lower form organism, because it has the, the same genes, if you will, that can express that way. So there are there are people that believe uh, scientists that if the oxygen is really low, if the acid is really high, if the diet is crap, you become an animal. (laughs) That you can become a bacteria. um, um, I'm going to extremes here. That would normally take out that garbage. That can grow in the high acid. That can grow in the low oxygen to take out that garbage that's there. That's not supposed to be there. Well, we're entering into a day now where we can have scientific proof that can say if our white blood cells out of thin air can make a pathogen, multiply it, and replicate it to quite, a, to quite an extent, it can be proven that we spontaneously generated infectious organisms inside our body, then we're in a new paradigm of medicine that's scary for everyone else. Uh, scary for, for the old guard, you mean, or scary for the old guard, because they think that the antibiotic and the germ, uh, they're used to, they're comfortable, their comfort zone is set by, Oh, listen, it's a germ. I'll take it out with an antibiotic and the story is over, but the story has just begun. So let, let me explain. We've had antibiotic therapy since the 1940s. Imagine that we did nothing to destroy the water imprint of yeah. all those infections that is traveling through the human genome into the human uh, lineage. And then all of those signals are still present in our body. Mm. Think of the right conditions coming about where we have Wi-Fi in the air, we have radiation poisoning, we have G- GMO foods, we're, we're drinking crap water, all those conditions mm. that cause the activation mm. of those signals of water that are pathogenic to take root and to go off and cause all kinds of illness inside us. He Montenu is saying he has, a, uh, he has cataloged the exact combinations of signals only from different pathogens, not the pathogen, not the DNA, but the signals that mm. when they get together in a group are causing massive numbers of, of diseases in human beings. Yeah, he's cattle. Yeah. He's got him. Yeah, and this is scary because it's the same thing as
1: saying that uh, healing can come from within. It's the same thing that diseases can come from within. Yes. Healing can come. because within is the key here. Yeah, there's not supposed to be such a thing as within. There's not such, supposed to be. They can't even, you know, all ancient cultures, religions, philosophies, especially those based on nature, nature philosophies, nature religion. They have this common analysis of existence and that is that existence or, or we, us as people, like the rest of the universe, consists of three different types of energy. Okay. We have, uh, obviously, matter, uh, as we call it, uh, the atomic-based uh, vibrational substance energy. Then we have, and, and even this is, uh, they're hard-pressed to admit, even though there's some good research now exploring these things. We have consciousness as the second one, which is a different kind of substance if you like or, or nature than Good. than uh, atomic vibrate both are vibrational based but this completely different probably different sources and then we have the third which is what we're talking about here the the, the life force the vitality the chi got it and and to admit these things to admit that consciousness is just not it's not just a product of your brain as, as the same same way as urine is the product of your bladder right yeah so th- that's why how they want to think And life force is so directly connected to this field, the field of of, uh, medicine, healing. So to to even acknowledge this and to acknowledge that if something is, excuse my French, fucked up in the structure (laughs) between vitality, atoms, and consciousness, if, if those cooperate, health. If they are disordered, if you like, imbalanced, Sickness. That's a threat because what should we do with all these factories and chemicals and uh, notwithstanding everything they learned from they began as medicinal students. So I totally get that. But th- I think this is where we have to go. I think this is where we will, uh, if we are allowed to, you know, develop and advance... Like you said, this is the breakthrough zone of uh, future
2: uh, science, future medicine. Yeah, I, I, again, well said. That's exactly what I think and where our group is going. And uh, by doing shows like this with folks like yourself that get it also, mm. um, if we bond and unite as a team and find ways to work together, we can get the word out and we can start the practice. And if, if, if we achieve a great skill set only to die at the age of 75 what a waste (laughs) but if we live to 110 120 and share that skill set for another 30 years wow yeah we can yeah yeah maybe maybe the
1: old records of uh, how much longer people lived maybe it's not just you know could be could be something to it (laughs) because if you go back uh, in time you know to prehistoric times we don't know what was going on back then so who who knows uh, you know this concept of a golden age if everything was right maybe people did live for hundreds of years read the ancient sumerian text exactly. by Zechariah yeah. Sitchin. Yeah. Well, I prefer other translations than his, but but okay. yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I get, I get what you and, and in India, and in Egypt, I mean everybody, and even the Bible talks about long age. Hey, um, I have uh, a few loose ends we have to take even though it will be kind of out of flow. So, before we conclude, I have a few more questions. Sure. Yep. Yeah. Um one thing I noticed, tumor versus cysts. Why do some uh, manifestations become tumors and why do some become cysts?
2: What's up with that? Well, the conditions of cancer are uh, low oxygen, high acidic, where the ability to form uh, programmed cell death are extinguished, whereas none of those things occur when you're forming just a cyst or a, or a benign tumor. You have to have uh, the program of self-death altered and put on hold pattern or blocked or jammed up or, you know, neutralized uh, in order to get cancer. And then the white blood cells come in and adapt the same cancer metabolism for themselves. And then they spread the cancer with the cancer stem cells. So the immune system turns against us. That doesn't happen with a cyst. So um, you have to have a different set of circumstances in order to have either a cyst or cancer. And that's, you know, basically what happens. Oh, I see. Huh. Interesting.
1: So, so, um, so that's why they say uh, a cyst is, what's the English word? Ben, um, benign. Benign. Because yeah. because uh, it's not fighting with the rest of the body, the immune system is. Uh, it's just a little problem thing that's easy to take care of, whereas a tumour then is <laughs> has basically taken over,
2: hired all your soldiers, your immune system. <laughs> yeah, I think that's true. And it, yeah, if you talk about a breast cyst, that is familiar to a lot of women, mm. and eventually that cyst. If the conditions get worse and worse and worse around the cyst and in the cyst, of course it it can become cancerous. But mm. a cyst is usually filled up with um, with fluid that could be coming from an infection
0: mm.
2: and from human waste that's in that area. Mm. And you can just drain it or cut it out, and it's it's not going to ever lead to cancer. But if you let it fester in there under the right conditions, and it just gets worse and worse. For example, if they have root canals, yeah, and the candida gets her working around the, the, the implant of the metal, and then they produce toxins, those toxins will drain into the breast tissue and turn off the anti-cancer genes that they're poisons. And when the anti-cancer genes in the body are turned off, there's no way to prevent cancer from forming. It just happens. So, When we turn the genes on in the right way, we regenerate. And when we turn them on in the wrong way or we turn them off in the wrong way, we get cancer. Um, But there's nothing wrong with the gene. It's just that we've abused it. And we can regenerate it in most cases unless it's really destroyed by whatever it is that we did to it for 10, 20, 50 years, you know? Mm. So.
1: Uh, I think I've heard you said that uh, baking soda will help for the, this fungus thing you just said, candida.
2: Yeah, uh, Roby at the University of Arizona has uh, side-skirted the whole issue by using baking soda both to treat humans with breast cancer as well as rats. And what he found was is that it stops all growth and metastasis and spread of cancer. The baking soda does. And mm-hmm. what he found was is that the white blood cells which spread the cancer with the cancer stem cells they get together and make do hitchhiking together and they travel to different sites of the body that have low oxygen and high acid and they take root that's how cancer spreads
0: mm-hmm.
2: well baking soda stops that baking soda will remove the acid and if you put in ozone or oxygen therapy, then you take out the low oxygen conditions and when that uh, white blood cell delivers the cancer stem cell to the other parts of the body it cannot grow it, it can only grow in those in those uh, conditions well the, the cool thing is that when you take the baking soda and put oxygen into the body really super it, it converts the white blood cell away from being an ally of the cancer to spread it converts it into eating the cancer Wow. The white blood cell actually develops the ability to start eating the cancer cell again. When, it, when it's in the opposite situation of no oxygen and high acid, it actually becomes cancerous itself. It goes into that aerobic glycolysis that we talked about a while ago. It, it actually takes up the same metabolic profile of a cancer cell, hmm. and it, it has no choice the body is too acid and, and has no oxygen in it. So it has no choice. It has to survive somehow and it adopts the same cancer metabolism. So we have to wake up. We have to realize that the lifestyle that we're practicing, because we're not getting exercise, we're getting fat, we're getting low oxygen because of where we live. Hmm. We have to reverse that and just emulate the long living. And they do it for pennies on the dollar. They, If they can do it, we can do it right there and. In any major city, we just have to be very precise about doing it. That's all. Yeah.
1: Is, is there such a
2: thing uh, today around as a baking soda therapy? Yes, uh, we do it. We use that all the time, at least for the first month. Huh. And it, it works extremely well. Um, it's safe if you know exactly how to do it. I was going to tell you a quick story about that. Yeah, that's right. So, so Tullio Simancini had just passed on a, a great deal of his knowledge. I, I, I can't say, of course, um, all of it, because he he did some surgical techniques that the rest of us couldn't do, because they stopped they stopped it here in the U.S. Hmm. as soon as they learned he was traveling through the country. But anyway, the uh, uh, about uh, two years later, after I was studying how to do it by, by drinking it, a gentleman out of clear blue—it was actually—he came about because a friend of mine, he's from Montreal, was a man who was sixty. Mm-hmm. he called me and he said, listen, a, a close friend of yours has told me I need to call you and I'm a close friend of hers. So I'm, I'm going to call you. And I said, okay, I, I didn't have any warning. So I had no idea what he was going to say. And he goes, uh, listen, um, I want to tell you that in, when I was 50, I had bladder cancer that it spread all through my lower abdominal cavity, all through my stomach area. Mm-hmm. And I had, um, they gave me six months to live and, Everything else had failed. I had done chemo and all that kind of stuff, and I decided that I was just going to die. But my doctor said, um, well, listen, there's one other thing we can do, and it may make you live another month. And he said, what's that? He said, well, we can do radiation therapy on you. Hmm. And so he he decided to do it, but he decided to go out. He's very poor. He decided – it was summertime. It was August. He decided to buy a used juicer, Mm -hmm. and he – just by because he had read some things about cancer grows in an acid environment, he decided to also drink baking soda in large amounts. And just by coincidence, because I questioned him intensely on this, mm. he got the exact ratio correct.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: He mm-hmm. just happened to make it exactly what Tulio Simoncini said you had to do. Huh. And so when he drank the baking soda and did nothing but juices, vegetable juices, and it wasn't organic. It was any juice that was in the, the grocery store. And then that's all he did. And then he got radiation therapy. At the end of 30 days, he was 100% cancer free. Wow. Wow! Did you tell him that uh, he looked up on the right amount?
1: Uh, I did. Amount? I did. Yeah, cool. I did. And he just said, wow. He counted his blessings. He said, I
2: guess I got lucky.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. I I think uh, some of uh, the listeners will have cancer or know people have cancer. And what's your advice? What to do if you? Because let me just present a reasoning first. Okay. When you went through the history of all these brave pioneers who discovered and researched working solutions, they had different kind of success rates for different kind of cancers. I guess cancer is cancer, but it manifests differently, right? And, yeah, I, and I'm thinking then some approaches is better for some type of cancers and others are better for others so what's your advice and uh, of course if someone lives in your area i guess they can contact you or or, or some of those people in your network that you're working with but not uh, this we are an international show so we have people from all over the world listening so what uh, what's your advice basically to someone who are so unfortunate that they are in that
2: situation what to do Okay. So, I, I always believe it, that the theory and the practice should go hand in hand. Mm. So, uh, if you're really serious about that, Al, and I know that you are, you're, you are a, a guy who really gets this at the core, Thank you. invite my teaching staff to come over and do a seminar and then invite people to come. Because then the theory and the practice will go hand in hand and they will walk away at the end of that seminar knowing exactly what to do because they've done it for two to three to four days. So basically, if you have cancer,
1: go to, you, you can go to one, or maybe it's more better for them to get to your seminars over in America, probably cheaper than get a whole team of doctors over to wherever they are. But basically, you teach people. Yeah, yeah. You teach people in seminars how to, to deal with their cancer. Yes. We, we're traveling
2: around the world. We'll be all through. Um, you do. That's, that's uh, your model. Yeah. Right, right. It, ha- it has to be. We, you, you have to get out there. And we have yeah. highly trained doctors that know exactly how to do this. And we, we set up a, a two-day and patients can come. Uh, we eventually expanded into longer time periods of mm-hmm. up to three weeks. And then they can live the regenerative lifestyle. They can start seeing how easy it is if they just you know, are organized Mm. and they can do it on a on a penny budget Mm. and um yeah and then they can teach others once they're well they can teach others either by their own resources or they just send them to where the seminars are happening and and yeah this is how this is how it's done
1: yeah i knew you were teaching practitioners i am so so that's great Uh, but but you're saying uh, even patients and they can teach others even without a license? No. At least for the baking soda, you said there had to be some Well listen, we're we're teaching a lifestyle.
2: Right, right. So it's a holistic approach. There's no there's no medical licenses required. Right. We're teaching a regenerative lifestyle. And if it just so happens that some diagnosed disease gets better, we give even though we're physicians, we'll give credit to the to the family doctor. We don't care. Mm. We're just teaching people how t- the long living do it, how they live long and stay disease free, and it's a lifestyle. That's it. Yeah, and and that's uh, not only is it true, but it's also smart
1: because running around saying it's a cure for cancer, uh,
2: kind of thing, would invoke the wrath of the mafia. <laughs> authorities yeah i mean we can talk about things like that on radio but when Mm. we get together in a seminar it's all about lifestyle change to regenerate the human body Mm. through the same practices that the long living do that's it Mm. It, but it's powerful it's you you feel it you
1: feel it but people in that situation they probably let's say they stumble over this show Uh, i think well i don't know how desperate people are but Usually they need more incentive uh, between that step of listening to this and the step of attending your seminars. So uh, you have books out there, right? Yeah, or, or other kinds of uh, tools that they can be
2: go deeper than what we've explored today? You know, my, my original book that I published back in 96 is being updated because it, it's become – it's actually the curriculum – the actual teaching that's in the seminars and i've updated uh with many shortcuts in 96 we knew how to do the four pillars but without the triggers that we have today and some of the met, uh, the the healing devices mm. uh, they just didn't exist back then and we didn't understand uh, how baking soda should work according to how the body makes it for example
0: mm.
2: and what amounts are safe to drink and um uh, so all of those things that um, that I've learned since '96 are going into an updated version. But right now, because we've got such demand to deliver the goodies now, I, I haven't had time to go back and update the entire book. But it will be out. It's called the the Regeneration Effect, mm. and it's uh, uh it's it'll probably be out in the next year or so. But right now, we're really really busy with uh, our seminars, with doctors calling us and wanting to be trained, but they want to. They also want to bring their own patients, mm. and, um, and that makes it easy because then the patients that come that don't have a doctor will meet doctors there that are being trained, and then everyone can, can help out each other. You know, we can make um, yeah, yeah. a community of, of people working together. To w- w- One example, there are people, maybe like yourself, who are able to do a regenerative lifestyle without any serious practice behind it, because they're seriously motivated. They have the discipline. They can just do it. I, I know a nurse like that. She just did it something. Well, that's not me either. I can tell you that. But anyway. It's yeah. not me either. It's not me either. No. Okay, good. But I do know that when people get together in a seminar, that they can go home and practice it. And especially when we call them up, and they call us, and we can encourage them. Yeah. And they might get one more refresher course. And then they're locked in. It just takes... Listen, it only takes 120 days of consecutive practice to completely change out the cellular structure of the body with the exception of bone tissue and nerve tissue. That takes a little longer. Mm. But all the other organs in the body have been completely turned over in 120 days. Hmm. So in a year, you can do that three times and you're a new body. So once you've done the first four months and you feel like a brand new human being again, it becomes really easy to continue that. And then you begin to see the wrinkles dissolve. You begin to see the hair color start getting more normal again. If you're older, you start having energy like you hadn't had in 10 years. You know, that's what we're doing. That's how we're doing it. Hmm. So,
1: yeah, and I guess, I mean, if I got cancer, I would have a, incentive to go into the most disciplined (laughs) regimen I would totally be devoted to this thing and that's often how people are yeah but you know man is a creature that's very good at turning around at being adaptable uh, in times of crisis and I think that's true collectively too and I'm hoping it is you know if you look at the society at large today so yeah so that's great to know that option is out. there. A couple of more random questions, and, and I'll let you go for today.
2: Okay. Uh, what about urine therapy? Well, um, I like it. I don't use it, but I know that in India, it's extremely popular. And you're basically, especially if you make it homeopathics out of the urine, make them in high dilution, yeah, it, it serves to neutralize those signals that are in the water of the body to cancel out uh you know, it's like radio free Europe. Uh when, back in the Soviet days, America had these stations, these CIA stations, yeah. that would um that would send uh if you want, if you will, good propaganda in to the to the communist citizen and say, Hey, listen. There's another better way. You can be free. You don't have, you know, blah, 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 blah. Well, the
0: Soviets. Yeah,
1: freedom, freedom. And uh, irony is that yeah. today the Russians are talking to Americans
2: about, hey, you can get freedom. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That is true. Yeah, we're very unfree now. Yeah, I think we're number 27th out of whatever in New Zealand and Singapore and and uh, what, what other country is much more free than we are. That's right. Yeah. Uh, well, what the Soviets did is they beamed static. To try to neutralize those radio signals coming in, right? And so the war was is that the the war of the airwaves was that the airwaves had to keep on changing up and down, so the Soviets couldn't lock in Mm. on canceling out the signal. Mm. So if you look at a sine wave, it has a particular uh, shape to it and amount of ups and downs per second. And if you can match it with the exact opposite, then it flatlines.
0: Mm.
2: Well, that's what urine therapy is about. If if you have these uh improper circuit uh, uh waveforms going on in your body and then you can turn your urine into a homeopathic formula which contains those pathological frequencies you can then neutralize them the other way to do it if you're healthy enough is that you get a second dose of those frequencies going in through the th- through the mouth and your immune system uses it like an inoculation like a vaccine Let me tell you one last little story about the way that vaccines are supposed to work so you understand just how perverted the vaccine industry is. Mm. So there's these things called transfer factors that can cure cancer in really rapid order. So what you do is with somebody that's a stage three or stage four, you take a sample of their blood and you concentrate from that blood the uh, cancer stem cells that are floating around in the blood. You concentrate them. And then you inject them into a a goat, a sheep, a cow that's about ready to uh, to calf, about ready to give birth. Uh, About five months, about five months to go or three months to go. The timing is pretty important. Hmm. And then that cow or that sheep or that goat makes in their colostrum an antidote, an antibody to that particular human cancer. And then the, the cow or the sheep or the goat, uh, Calves they, they, sh- they throw their kid
0: mm-hmm.
2: and then they the the farmer will collect the colostrum and then give it to the cancer patient orally, and the cancer will clear up in rapid order well, that's how vaccinations always worked up until recently that when the farmlands had healthy soil and a farmer had a cold or a flu and he sneezed
0: mm-hmm.
2: he sneezed around the chickens and around the cows. They took that germ into their body. It's not- You mean deliberately, uh, on intention? No, no, not intentionally. It just does it. It just happens. Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. And, and the cow doesn't get that virus or flu because it's a human, but it does produce antibodies. Mm. And the chicken the same way. So the chicken lays eggs with the immunoglobulin in the, chick, in the egg, and the cow gives it in the milk, and the farmer eats those raw or b- just barely cooks the, the egg. And the, the antibodies stay alive mm. because they haven't been cooked. Yeah. And then the farmer gets antidoted with the real vaccine of nature mm. and everybody stays healthy. But now the whole planet has been turned upside down. Our soil is so unhealthy with pollution and with lack of minerals yeah. that it's the animals that get sick and then they sneeze and then the farmer who's eating the food off the, the trash land gets the animal disease. Hmm. And then a plague breaks out. It's the exact opposite. Hmm. So we're so far upside down with our whole system of medicine that we're beginning to put laced programs of water, of DNA, of organisms into the human body.
0: Hmm.
2: We're putting the water programs of growing diseases into our vaccines even though they've killed the virus that's in it or the bacteria, mm. they're so stupid they don't realize it's the water, it's the recording of the water, not the germ, that mm. we're putting into our kids, and so of course they have to cause chronic degenerative illness over time, and that's what we're doing because we're not a very smart culture. Hmm. Mm. Hmm.
1: That's interesting, and it's tragic. Yeah. But uh, of course, this approach that you're Talking about and writing about, which is the optimal approach, which is is the transformational lifestyle approach, right? That's we can agree that's the optimal. Yep, that's it. Yeah, but when we go through the history of of what these people have stumbled upon, you know, all sorts of of approaches that has worked. I, I, I want to, as a last point here today, go a little back to the electrotherapy because. Sure. I noticed it's very interesting when you said, it's not coincidental that this happened uh, at the first half of the 19th century, basically, and Tesla and all that. Because back then science uh, was, uh, you know, it was still young and uh, there was a lot of breakthroughs in the vibrational sciences. Yes. Uh, anything to do with, uh, with vibrations, be that manifested as sound or light or whatever. And then something happened after the war, especially during the war, after the war. And I think, you know, one hypothesis is that it was so developed that they stumbled in, onto the, should we say, the um, fabric of existence. They, they, they came into zones of, let's say, free energy anti-gravity, stuff like that, stuff that has to be state secret, stuff that people can't know about. And notwithstanding, and I think this is the key, gruesome weapons, weapons that can make atom bomb look like firecrackers. Okay. And so for, for whatever reason, a lid was put on this science, a, l- a total lid. If you go back and read... um. Stuff that was researched and published back in the day, it was, uh, is stuff that's still valid today, but there's been no development. It's been, it's like it's all gone black, more or less. Uh, of course, except for in military areas, and, and that's, you know, they use a lot of vibrational. Uh, gizmos uh, in destructive ways
0: yeah
1: yeah and uh, and i i guess that's also why why it went but you have people like tesla and wilhelm reich and others who made breakthroughs also for for health reasons. Sure. And don't you think that a, a, a case to be made for future science, if we are, can develop and, and continue, if universities, academia can go back to this? Because it's not that it's invalidated. It's just turn attention away from it. But don't you think we can get to... Because I, I know a lot of stories about, uh, for instance, in, in, in Russia during the Cold War, they beamed... Uh, Russians beamed the American embassy with certain frequencies that generate the cancer in the, uh, you know, warfare through vibrations. Uh, Both sides did this, of course. Uh, And they also discovered ways to uh, cure ailments in the body by making a a field of two-crossing rays so that you force the people in between in a certain frequency so don't you think there's a way you know everything that can be done destructively can also be done constructively yes so what about what do you think about this finding a technology based upon light or or other kind of waves that can heal or or make balance again in the structure of ourselves well that's what we
2: use you use this equipment yeah, yeah, that's what we have. We have wow. we have equipment that actually puts uh, purest highest grade intense chi back into the human body. And the wow. carrier ways that we use are the things that you've been talking about. We use biophotons, we use color therapy, we use sound therapy, we use microcurrent, we even use pulse magnetic uh, current. And they're just they, they have their own benefits, but they also carry the pure chi into the body that's the genesis field. We call it the genesis field. <laughs> Good name. <laughs> and we're, we're putting the highest order of, of reordering energy, The the energy that reorders the proper cell structure, the proper atomic molecular structure of things. And that's a triggering mechanism. So without the four pillars, the devices can only do so much. But with the four mm. pillars, the devices are putting the four pillars onto steroids, to use the term that Arnie Gunderson came up with for Fukushima. <laughs> it is amazing. And so we we truly have the most awesome technologies working with the most awesome four pillars that are easy to do, that people come to and live, and then they start feeling young again, and they start feeling energy again, and they start having mental attitudes that are pleasant and blissful. And they go, this is how I used to feel when I was younger on a good day. And we start shaking our heads up and down going, we know. Mm. So mm. If, if the longest living cultures only have two arms and two legs and they can do it on less than $1,000 annual income. Without equipment. then Yeah, exactly. Then why can't we do it? Mm. Why can't the rest of us do it and turn our civilization around to stop becoming a disease and start becoming a regenerative tool that we use? Mm. To make a planet like Pandora, like the mm-hmm. like the people that uh, that we know existed here on the planet and still do in these remote areas. If they do it, then we can do it. We just have to become wise and do it ourselves. And uh, yeah, uh, because we can't sit and wait for
1: nanny states. No, to- Big
2: Brother's not going to come around and help us. Uh, exactly. That's right. So
1: so yeah. So we have to be like. Uh, Health guerrilla soldiers about this. Yes. And, um, yeah. So that's, that's, uh, and, and it's so commandable. You know, what you do, um, I want to end by giving you the full kudos for, for being out there, for spreading the word, for spreading, um, metaphorically light <laughs> and actually <laughs> because you have these equipment, yes so uh, so it's so great and uh, on behalf of humanity i thank you
2: <laughs> well thank you Alfred, for doing what you do because you're you're essential to getting the word out and we couldn't go very far without incredible people like yourself so anybody who wants to learn more about uh-huh. where and what we're doing they can just check out my name dr apsley dr apsley Dot com and uh, that will bridge you link people into a couple of other websites that are almost constructed uh, and then you can tag into seminars that we do both here as well as in Europe. Um, mm. Our first one will be in Icrara, Greece uh, sometime we're looking at next summer. And our next seminar here, Stateside is in Orlando on February 10th. Hmm. and we're doing one in LA at the very end of February. And uh, anyone can contact me at, through that website, drapsley.com, mm. and uh, I, w- I always return people's emails.
1: So they can see your tour, your world tours, uh, if you come to a place nearby, and uh, they can uh, attend? Yes, absolutely.
2: Mm. That's great. Uh, when is that one in Greece, you said? Uh, it, we haven't set a date yet. It'll be summer. Okay. It'll be in Ikra. Ikra is an island uh, close to Turkey. Yeah, yeah, I know the area very well. I'm often in okay. that area, but
1: uh, in the summer, that sounds terribly hot. It well, even
2: even the summer uh, winter time is that's close to the equator.
1: Well, it's closer to the equator, I think we can say. But uh, but uh, still, I would go there in in spring or autumn for the optimal climate. Okay, what what, what day? What day? You to recommend? Oh, I recommend, um, uh, you know, March, April, May is good. And, and August, September, even October can be good. But June, July, that's like the peak of... The, not everybody is that fond of heat. Some people are used to it and don't mind, but... Uh, Other people? <laughs> yeah, Some people get very lazy in the
2: heat. I'm one of them. Stay motion. Well, the long living, the long living live about two hours' drive from the shoreline, up and up in the mountains. Oh. oh, yeah. So it's it's cooler up there. It's cooler. Right. Yeah. Higher up. Yeah. Of course. It's not on the shore. It's not on sea level. Sea level is really hot. I'm sure during certain times of year. But the the uh, that are long living, they live about uh, anywhere from about four thousand feet up. Uh, somewhere in that zone makes sense. Mountain people
1: very often these these cultures. Yes, you have the same in Caucasus.
2: Yes, yes. There is just the Okinawans that are that I know of. To well, the uh, the the uh, Seventh Day Adventists are exceptions also.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Hey, do you get a lot of problems, oppression, challenges for your work? I bet you do.
2: No, we we uh, st- st- are very strict about not treating diseases we're just teaching doctors um, about jurisprudence so they realize how to stay safe and we we use the rules we don't go against the rules and uh, by teaching a lifestyle system where we're not treating disease nobody bothers us yeah that's still not outlawed fortunately right yeah right pre-speech yeah But, but you don't you treat people with cancer well, we see people who want to regenerate their body from various backgrounds. And it does so happen that many of a person's backgrounds do clear up. Mm. Right. Do you see how I said that without saying mm. that we treat cancer? Yeah. You see how? Mm. Yeah. You That's have how to. we treat our doctors. <laughs> <you know? laughs> Keep everybody in a safe haven. Everybody.
1: Yeah. yeah. And yeah. never, of course, uh, turn you back to, to conventional medicine and health.
2: Yeah, we do, do it together, right? Yeah, I had too many of my colleagues lose their licenses and livelihoods and be destroyed by bankrupting them and Jeez. I just realized I there's no need to p- play that game. Let let others receive credit for treating and curing cancer but yeah. we we're just instilling a regenerative lifestyle in people mm.
1: but fortunately there are countries that allow like you mentioned the hooksy clinic so so there are havens around the world where you can actually practice these things without being crushed right we
2: we have very strong alliances in those kind con- many of those countries mm. that's great
1: very- and may it continue to be so thank you thanks a lot for coming on the
2: show john al well, it's been a pleasure as always and uh Let's do this again sometime Absolutely. and maybe we'll meet at one of these great seminars together. Indeed, I'm going to keep a, a very firm
1: eye on, on your movements henceforth. And
2: who knows, maybe we can get you up here sometime. I'd love to. We, uh, my team would, uh, is willing to travel anywhere, anytime. So you just let us know. Uh, have you been in Scandinavia before? I, I have not. I've been to Europe. I've been to Germany. I've been to Switzerland, uh uh, but I've not had the privilege of getting up to Scandinavia, no.
1: We have some of those pristine zones you talked about, Switzerland and stuff. We have some here, too. I'll bet. Yeah.
2: And, some, and some sacred water sites, too, I'll bet. And you'll tell me about them
1: in a minute. But uh, for now, I bid you adieu and thanks a lot. Thanks
0: a lot. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Mm-hmm.
1: So, that's our introduction to this vast subject for today. Of course, it's very limited what we can cover and to which extent in a few hours' talk. At best, we can hope to point you in the right direction. But, as with any of our programs, we encourage you to explore further for yourself. Don't trust blank statements authoritative titles or any form of dogma. Research the facts, discover how they are connected, and grasp as much of the total picture of truth's puzzle as you can. This is called understanding, and it is a vaccine against propaganda and brainwashing. We shall return to this and other related topics in the future, To provide more pieces to the full puzzle, for now we recommend you to check out Dr. Apsley's books and, as usual, we will include his bibliography and website links when we erect his guest presentation page at our website. Because this subject may be an urgent matter for some, I will read his website link to you now, so you or someone you care about can check out if there is any seminars at a time in a place that you may be able to attend. Just go to icrm com. That's icrm Dash ac.com. There you'll find uh, one site for professional healthcare workers and one for the general public. And uh, again, really advise that you help us spread this program, because this time it's about saving people's lives. Saving or at least improving people's life. And that's rather important, don't you think? At least when it comes to people you care about. Before parting, I will read you some relevant quotes from the new TV series called The Truth About Cancer. It is estimated that by 2020... More than half of all cancer in America will be medically induced from drugs or radiation, making our medical establishment the leading cause of cancer, says Dr. Ben Johnson, MD and m d d o DO. When you treat the patient with chemotherapy and radiation and you don't cure them, Then you make the cancer infinitely more aggressive and the patients usually die, says Dr. Russell Blaylock, MD. Anyone that has been close to someone undergoing chemotherapy and radiation would admit that it is a suffering rather than a treatment, says A.J. Lanigan, immunologist and inventor. It is completely unacceptable that oncologists profit from the treatments that are justified by their own diagnosis, says Mike Adams, the health ranger. If you do the standard of care and give chemo and people die, it's okay. If you don't do the standard of care and people live, it's not okay. It is considered politically incorrect says Dr. Rashid Buttar, D.O. If people let the government decide what foods they eat and what medicines they take, their bodies will soon be in as sorry a state as all the souls who live under tyranny, said Thomas Jefferson. Such a grave and gloomy matter this is, so don't forget that, at the end of the day, laughter is the best medicine. In fact, one minute one minute of anger can weaken your immune system for up to 5 hours. One minute of laughter can boost your immune system for more than 24 hours. Which one do you choose? Until you decide, I remain your jovial host, and with the sincere regards from me and the forum team. Be
2: Number one.